Matthew chapter 15. We'll start reading at verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That's all we'll read uh, right there in that passage. So this woman says that Jesus, uh, after these things, after he'd had this uh, little run-in with the religious elite, it says after these things, he departed into these coasts of Tyre or Tyre and Sidon. And he departed in these coasts. It says a Canaanite woman, it specifies this was a heathen woman, a pagan woman. She was not a Jew. She wasn't even a Samaritan. She wasn't even a half-breed Jew. It says a Canaanite woman came to him from the, the same coast, the coast of Tyre and the coast of Sidon. She comes to him and says, Lord, she refers to him, Lord. And this wasn't just a formal kind sir remark that she was making. She recognized who Jesus was. She had heard of the fame of this man from Galilee. She had heard of the miracles that he had been performing. She had heard of the things that he had done. And folks, I'm sure that she had faith. It says in the very last verse of this passage that he says, great is thy faith. It wasn't great is your persistence it wasn't great was your prayer it wasn't great any of these things he tells this woman great is your faith and that's why the woman's daughter was healed that's why the devil was cast out of her daughter that's why when she went back home the woman's daughter was completely whole it wasn't anything to do with her it had to do with the faith she had in Jesus Christ this was a Canaanite woman. Yeah. She knew she was doomed from the get-go. Uh -huh. She would have had to have known she was doomed from the get-go. Hey, folks, you read over in the Old Testament. You read how the daughters of Canaan weren't allowed to marry or to intermingle or to associate with the people of God, with the sons of God, with the Israelites. Hey, when Abraham was an old man and he's called for his eldest servant, and he told us, go to my land, go to my people, go to my kindred, so that Isaac doesn't marry a daughter of Canaan. This woman knew that she was not very highly thought of, knew that she was doomed from the start, but she still saw Jesus. Amen. She didn't let that knowledge get in her way. She did not let that get in her way one single iota, not one little bit. And she let 
The fact that she was a pagan, that she was a Gentile, that she was a dog, as the scripture here plainly says, in the eyes of the Jews and in the eyes of even Jesus Christ. Hey, it says right here, what did Jesus tell He said, it's not me, it's not fit, it's not right for me to take the bread that is meant for the children and cast it unto you, a Gentile dog. People don't like that scripture. They don't like that scripture at all. A lot of the church world don't like that scripture. The folks that try here in plain, black and white, maybe your Bible's got it in red letters. Either way, Jesus Christ said it himself. He said, it's not meat for me to take what's meant for the children and cast it under the dogs. He said, I have been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel had to receive the gospel first. Paul says in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. It went to the Jew first. It went to the children of God first. It went to the apple of his eye before it went to anyone. Roger Dunn brought it up this morning in Sunday school. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He was around his own. Hey, his 12 disciples, they were his own. They were Jewish. Hey, most of the people that he went to, most of the people that he went to, and most of the people that came to him, they were Jewish people. He was fulfilling prophecy in every one of those instances. He was fulfilling the word of God, things that have been prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was ever born. Jesus Christ fulfilled every one of those in his first advent here to earth. And what he didn't fulfill, he will fulfill in the future. Amen. There's still some prophecy ain't been fulfilled yet. Praise God for it. I don't want to be here when some of it's fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Roger touched on that too. Roger danced all around this this morning without actually getting into Matthew 15. But this woman, she was a Canaanite. A Gentile, a pagan, a heathen, a dog in, in, the, in the views of the Israelites, in the views of the Jews. And yet she still found it in her to come to Jesus when, when Jesus departed into these coasts. Hey, he'd been hanging out in the Jewish towns. He'd been hanging out all over. I'd say he went into this Gentile territory to get away from the Jews, to give him a little bit of rest, to give him a little bit of reprieve. But folks, I never once saw in the scripture whether it was a Jew or whether it was a Gentile if somebody came to Jesus Christ he didn't just turn them away he would either offer them salvation he would set them straight in their doctrine he would do something but never once did he turn anyone away and he's still that way today I've never seen anybody saved that regretted it I've never seen anybody receive salvation that regretted that God ever come to them and saved them from their sins. We need some people like this woman here in the church nowadays. I ain't talking about upper room. I'm talking about the church as a whole. Hey, we need some women and we need some men. We need some parents. We need grandparents. We need aunts and uncles that can use discernment. That this woman, she looked at her daughter. She said she's vexed with a devil. This woman was a heathen and a pagan. Why would she care? if she was possessed with a devil but she went to Jesus and she sought help 
We need people like this yeah. in the church world that won't say, this is my daughter. She couldn't possibly be possessed. This is my son. He couldn't possibly be possessed. Let me tell you something. If your people, if your sons, your daughters, your grandparents, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, whoever it is, if they don't have Jesus Christ, their life is being run by demons. It's one way or the other. There's no fence to ride. We need people like this. This woman's giving us a big lesson here. She recognized what was wrong with her daughter. And she wasn't afraid to admit it. The church world is full of people now. They'll say, my, my son, my daughter, whoever it is, couldn't possibly have a demon. If they don't have Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you they can have a demon. I can also guarantee you that if you're a born again, washed in the blood child of God, there is no way any demon can possess your soul. There is no way that a demon can come in and take over because the Holy Ghost of God within you was booted right back out. Praise God. But if we don't have that, folks, these demons all over. People say, well, they're just going through a phase. They're just sowing their wild oats. They're sowing their wild seed. All teenagers act this way. And you know what? You're right. You're right. All kids act a certain way, especially teenagers. All teenagers go out and they quote unquote sow their wild oats. They sow their wild seeds. Some of them sow, plumb up into their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. Some of them just keep right on sowing them. But that does not negate the fact that they need Jesus Christ. And that does not negate the fact if they don't have Jesus Christ that, that they've got a demon ruling their life, if not one, maybe thousands. Just like that man Legion in Mark 5 that Jesus, uh, that Jesus had to come to. He cast all those thousands of demons out of that man. They ran into a herd of swine. And the swine had enough sense to run down the hill into the ocean. They didn't want anything to do with those demons. Amen. They ran into the water. Demons have got more sense than we do. God help us. This woman, she recognized the problem. She recognized that we need Christians. We need Christians in the church that recognize what the problem is. Not that Jeffrey's just having a bad day or little Susie got her feelings hurt. Maybe it's uh, little Johnny and little Jeffrey and little Susie's got a demon. Mm -hmm. maybe, that's the, maybe that's more, more likely the case. Maybe that's why they snapped at the teacher. That's why they snapped at their friends. That's why they got suspended from school. Because folks, hey, let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost of God will not let us dress like a tramp. They will not. The Holy Ghost of God will not let us talk with a filthy mouth. The Holy Ghost of God will not allow us to act in an ungodly manner. If they're acting ungodly, it's because they are ungodly. Amen. And it's for no other reason. No other reason. We got out here it preached and taught. Y'all have heard it preached and taught about godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And Paul brings up both of those things in the scriptures. He does. Now, <clears throat> I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
worldly sorrow is the people that sit under the gospel. They shed a few tears. They might come to the altar. They might cry on the altar. They might have an experience of some kind, but it ain't a religious Holy Ghost experience that they've had because they're right back out in the world. Then less than a day later, less than a week later, some point in the near future, they're right back out doing exactly what they were doing before. That ain't the Holy Ghost that got a hold of them. That ain't Jesus Christ that got a hold of them people. But they'll come and that's a worldly sorrow that they have. That's, uh, that's something that is not of God though. Godly sorrow works, works a man under repentance. Godly sorrow will work you to repentance and me to repentance. But it is, uh, it is impossible that we can have anything godly including sorrow if we are ungodly. We can't have godly sorrow if we're ungodly. We cannot do it. That godly sorrow that worketh under repentance, that's for godly people. That's for godly people that have the Holy Ghost that's showing them you shouldn't do this. And it shows them you shouldn't do that. And it shows them you should have went to Jesus instead of going to that person and acting the way that you did. You should have went to Jesus instead of making that phone call that you did. Jesus would have calmed you down. Jesus would have helped you through this. Jesus would have given you the words to say. But no, we in our pride and we in ourselves, we act on behalf of ourselves. And that is what gets us in trouble. This woman here was acting on behalf of her daughter. Right. She was acting on behalf of a daughter that she recognized was possessed by a devil. Possessed by a devil. And what did she say? <coughs> she, uh, she said, she came out of the coast and cried at him saying, have mercy on who? Not on my daughter. Right there, Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 22. Lord, have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to explain the situation. For my daughter is vexed with a devil. She wasn't asking for mercy for her daughter. Folks, this woman was a Gentile. No doubt she had heard, though. She had heard of this man Elijah, a Jewish man. That's where, that's where else you, you read about this particular area. Over there in the, in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 17, you read about a man named Elijah, the, Tish, the Tishbite. And God sent him down to dwell by the brook. And the ravens brought him bread. But it says that after a while, the brook dried up. And he said, Arise, go unto Zarephath, which belongs to the Zidonians, which belongs to the very uh, people of this land that Jesus Christ was in now. He said, go unto there. He said, I've got a widow woman there that's going to take care of you. It was a pagan woman. She was a Gentile, but God had prepared her to take care of his own. Amen. I dare say that's when the God of the Israelites started infiltrating into those heathens. Started infiltrating into those Gentiles. It was hundreds of years before what we're reading here in Matthew. Before what we're reading. Don't you think for a second that that wasn't handed down at least as a myth. At least as a tale from those pagans. From those Gentiles. Don't you think for a second this woman had never heard that story about Elijah and about the widow woman and how Elijah went to her and said, hey, bring me a cake in your hand when you come back this way. She says, I've only got enough oil and enough meal for me and my boy. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to dress it. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. And Elijah says, bring me a cake first. And then she did. And he said, that barrel of meal is never going to go empty. That cruise of oil, it will never run dry. Praise God. 
Praise God for those things. Don't you think for a second though, this woman, whoever she was, scripture don't give her name. Folks, her name's not important. Don't you think for a moment she had never heard that story though. She had heard of the God of the Israelites. She had heard of Messiah. No doubt she had heard of Messiah of the Israelites. And she came to Messiah. She came to Messiah with her knees. She came to Messiah and said, have mercy on me. She was standing before mercy itself. Jesus Christ being mercy personified. She was standing before him begging for mercy. Begging for help. For herself. For her daughter. For everything that was ailing her. She knew who to go to and she knew who could provide. Hallelujah. Amen. We, need women. we need people. We need people. Not just women. We need people like this woman that will exemplify their faith to the rest of us, to those, to those of us that need examples of faith. Hey, I'm right there. When I see somebody that exercises great faith, my goodness, what does that do for my own? What does that do for my own faith? What does that do for my own encouragement? Hey, that's edifying the church, which is something that God expects of his people. When I see somebody exercise that, yeah. when I see somebody exercise their faith, this was nothing but faith that she had in a man named Jesus. It was nothing but faith that saved me that I had in a man named Jesus and his shed blood. When he come after me, when he come to where I was, hey, Jesus came to where this woman was. She didn't have to go outside. She didn't have to go to the Jewish towns. Jesus made his way to her. It ain't no different than that Samaritan woman from John chapter 4. Hey, she didn't have to go over the hills and through the valleys and across the rivers. Jesus Christ made a way to go to where she was, met her by the well, and she ran in the town and said, come see a man that told me everything that I ever did. I get tickled every time I think about that story. I perceive you to be a prophet. That's what she said when Jesus told her the things that he did. He said, go fetch your husband. Go get your man. She said, I have no man, Lord. He said, you're right. He said, Those, you've, you've been married five times. That when you got now, he ain't even your husband. She said, I perceive the power of the prophet. Well, duh. Well, duh to that. But hey, she perceived it. She used discernment. And she saw who it was. And she knew who it was. And she said, hey, my father's, she was talking about Jacob. She said, she said, he dug this well. And Jesus said, you don't even know who to worship. He said, one day, it's not going to matter if you go to the mountain. It's not going to matter if you're in Jerusalem. Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. He was penetrating that woman. He was getting to her heart. And it wasn't long after that statement, she went running into town. She knew who she'd met, praise God. Hey, I know who I met, and I know when I met him. I know what he did for me. This woman here in Matthew 15, she knew who was in town. She knew who could provide some help. She knew what her problem was, and she knew the one that could solve it. That's the attitude that we need to have as believers in Christ. We got to know who it is. Folks, I know who saved me. I know who saved me is the same one that keeps me. 
Uh -huh. I can't keep myself. Uh -huh. I cannot keep myself. I can read this word that was described as a as a roadmap earlier. Praise yeah. God, it is. I ain't going to deny that a bit. But folks, there's lost people all over the world that know that word. Uh -huh. Hey, I was lost and I knew the word of God better than most Bible, or most Christian professors that I knew. Most of those that profess faith in Christ, I knew the Bible better than they did when I was lost. Satan himself knows the scripture, but I can promise you, he will not have a place in heaven. It does no good to quote the scripture if you don't know the one that wrote it. Amen. It does no good to know it if we don't know God. This woman knew who, whose presence she was in. She had a need. She had a need. Her daughter was possessed, vexed with the devil. And she was willing to admit that. She was willing to admit there was a devil on the scene. But she said, have mercy on me. I picture this woman much like the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all she had. She'd seen every doctor around. And she was none the better, but rather grew worse, according to the scripture. And there was a man come into town. Praise God. That woman come, she come crawling through the crowd. She come pressing her way through. She reached out. She touched the hem of his garment. Jesus turned around. He said, who touched me? And his disciples said, Lord, there's a throng of people around you. All this mess of folks gather around you. And you say, who touched me? Jesus said, I perceive the virtue has left my body. And that woman fessed up. Yeah. She said it was me. She was scared. She was scared. By the law, by the law, she could have been killed. Right. By the by Mo, Mosaic law, she could have been killed right. for even being around those people. Yeah. With that issue of blood. Mm -hmm. Because she was considered unclean. Right. Twelve years she had that issue of blood. We don't know precisely what it was. And quite frankly, I tell you what, I don't really care precisely what it was. The Bible says it was an issue of blood. You can use your own mind to figure out what it probably was. But she had an issue of blood. She was considered unclean. But she made her way. She said, there's my hope. There's my mercy. There's the one that can help me. And she pressed her way through that crowd. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. The same thing he told this woman here in Matthew chapter 15. It wasn't nothing to do with her persistence. She was persistent. Hey, it, it, but it wasn't her persistence itself that done it. It's the faith that drove her persistence. Right. Her faith is what drove her to be persistent. Even after Jesus called her a dog, even after he said, it's not me that I should take the bread for the children and cast it to the dog, she still persisted in the matter. How many times have we prayed unto God and he hasn't immediately answered and we gave out? Shame on us. Right. Shame on God's people for acting that way. I believe that was brought up this morning too, praise God. Mm -hmm. But hey, that's just confirmation. I'm preaching what I was supposed to preach. But she persisted in the matter. She persisted. She says, then came she and worshipped him. She done approached him. She done approached him and said, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is vexed with the devil. And said he answered her nothing. Nothing. Answered her enough. He ignored her. He said, I, and then later on in the scripture, verse 24, but he answered and said, uh, after she besought him, says, the disciples came and besought him, sending, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. God forbid we act like that. God forbid we're like that. Roger brought that up this morning too. Talking about blind Bartimaeus. Talking about him over in, in the Gospels. 
I always think about him in the Gospel of Mark, and he is there, but he's uh, also in the other Gospels as well. In fact, one account says there was two blind men there. Yeah. But concentrating just on Bartimaeus, well, right, right when Jesus is coming into town, right when he's headed toward Jerusalem, he done set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint, the scripture said. But he made one more stop, praise God. Right there in Jericho, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus, and he cried after Jesus. He said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd pressed him back, told him to shut up, keep his mouth quiet, and he cried the more, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me and Jesus called for him. Jesus called for him. and they, they gathered the Bartimaeus up they gathered him up they said the master's calling folks that's what he had waited for he had heard of this man Jesus and that's all he could do was hear right. he could hear of the man Jesus he could hear of his miracles he could hear of his workings and he could believe in his heart that this was indeed Messiah no doubt Bartimaeus had heard about this Messiah all his life he had heard of the scriptures he had heard of the God of Israel the God of Jacob and of Isaac and of Abraham he'd heard of all these things but now Messiah was passing by his way and he saw his chance but the disciples acted the same way these disciples did. They told them to shut up. Shut up. God forbid we act that way. God forbid we don't grab somebody up and say, hey, if the master's not calling right now, he will. He will. The master will call. Hey, if somebody, somebody's under conviction, somebody gets underneath the gospel, there's all kinds of things that can cause the master to call. The master will come calling in form of the Holy Ghost. He'll get a hold of that heart. You get him underneath the sound of the gospel. Hey, we've heard the we've heard the, the saying all of our lives, you lead a horse to water and it'll drink. Hey, if you lead it away from that water, though the water of the world I'm talking about, and you give it enough salt. And Jesus told us to be the salt and the light of this world. Sooner or later, it'll go to the water of the living life and it'll take part of that water. It'll lap it up and it will never thirst again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give it enough salt. Sooner or later it'll drink. <clears throat> she came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help me. And I said, folks, she wasn't just being nice. She wasn't just being cordial when she said, Lord. She was recognizing Jesus for who he was. She said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it off. She said, truth. Truth. Now, folks, this wasn't a rebuttal against Jesus. No. She was not rebuking Jesus in the least. Jesus knew what her reply would be before he ever said the words. Right. This was a lesson to his disciples. What led up to this? It's not what goes in through the mouth that defileth the man, but what comes out of the mouth that proceeded from the heart. Yeah. That defileth the man. Right. That defiles the man. That's what led up to this whole scene. This whole scene. But we were in a different area here. He was in Jewish territory when he said that. Yeah. He's in Gentile territory now. He said he's doing these things for the for the disciples' <laughs> sakes and for those gathered around him. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table, recognizing herself as a dog. Folks, listen to me. If you've never recognized yourself as a dog, as an outcast, as a sinner, as a lost person, you've never been saved. If you have never seen yourself in need of salvation, you have never been saved. If you've never seen yourself as black and filthy and disgusting in the eyes of Almighty, Holy, and Righteous God, you have never been saved. 
This woman recognized her position. She took her position. She owned it as a dog. Right there in front of Jesus Christ, she owned that position. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs, you know, the crumbs which fall from their master's tables. She recognized her spot, and she recognized his spot and called him master. She'd already recognized him calling him Lord. But she recognized him now calling him master and calling herself a dog. And how did he reply? And Jesus answered and said unto her, old woman. Now keep in mind, he would have been around his disciples when all this was going on. He would have been around other people who said, <coughs> said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Yeah. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, great is thy faith, not mediocre. And listen, <coughs> listen, it only takes a little bit of faith to get us saved. Yeah. It don't take much faith at all to get us saved. It don't. We've got to believe. Yeah. Hey, if a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old can be saved, trust me, it only takes a little bit of faith to be saved. But for this woman, for this woman, Jesus said, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Don't, don't get in your heads. Don't get in your heads. God mustered up enough faith in me to where I got saved because it does not take much faith to be saved. What does Jesus say? Hey, I mentioned it just uh, just last week. I remember it was Sunday or Thursday. Jesus said, only believe. Only believe the words of Jesus Christ. Only believe the words of that man himself. Only believe. It does not take much faith to be saved. But for this woman to come to, come to Jesus, Jesus said, how great is your faith? How great is thy faith? He said, go on. Your daughter's going to be fine. Your daughter will be fine. Much like the centurion, a Roman soldier, somebody that Jews would have hated, come to him and said, I've got a servant. I've got a servant I love dearly. He's awesome. He does all these things for me, and he's sick. Hey, he's laying in bed. He's dying. He needs a touch. He says, but I'm not worthy that you come underneath my roof, Jesus. A, a Roman soldier going to a Jewish Messiah, going to a Jew that he was supposed to hate, but he recognized who he was, who he was dealing with, and he recognized that Jesus could do the healing. Amen. What is it with all these Gentiles we see here? In the scriptures, in the scriptures, we see Gentiles with more faith than the Jews. Let me tell you something. In the the New Testament, there's two times, two times that the New Testament says that Jesus marvels. That very word, that he marvels about something. One was at the faith of that centurion I was just talking about. A Gentile, Mm -hmm. a dog. Yeah. The other was at the lack of faith of the Jews. Mm-hmm. That's the two times you will read about in the scriptures that Jesus marveled about something. Mm-hmm. It was about a Gentile's faith and the lack of faith of someone who had the entire Old Testament pointing to that man that was standing right. there in Galilee, pointing to that man that was roaming around Jerusalem, pointing at the one that was healing the deaf ears, that was opening deaf ears and opening blind eyes and causing the lame to walk and, and all these other things. Everything that was prophesied to him in the Old Testament was coming to pass and the Jews still lacked faith. Amen. The church is in the same boat. Shame on us. Shame on us. We had enough faith to get us saved, but we don't have enough faith for some reason to think that God's going to take care of us. We got enough, had enough faith to get saved, but my goodness, when it comes down to the bills being paid, when it comes down to having food in the cupboard, 
when it comes down to having electricity or clean running water, where does our faith go? Where does our faith go? If God saved your soul, I can promise he can take care of the rest of that. Your soul means a ton more to God and quite frankly a ton more to me than, than your electricity or your water does or your food or anything else. The bread of life matters more than a loaf of kerns in your cupboard. The bread or the living water means more than what comes out of your tap at the house. Man. That's what matters. Yeah. This woman saw her need, and it wasn't food, it wasn't water, it wasn't any of those things. No. She needed mercy. That's what she asked Jesus for, and praise God, that's what she got. She said, have mercy on me, for my daughter is vexed with the devil. Have mercy on me, I've tried everything, Jesus. Yeah. I wonder, her being a Gentile, I wonder if she'd gone to... All the Gentile doctors, like that woman with the issue of blood. Amen. I wonder if she'd gone to any witch doctors. Amen. I wonder if she'd gone to any false prophets, any faith healers, anything along those lines. I wonder if she went that route. And then she said, I'm out of options. I got nowhere else to go. I got no, nowhere else to turn. And then this man, Jesus, comes into town, comes on to her side, come, comes to where she's at in Gentile territory. Amen. And she goes to him. Says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Christ showed mercy. Folks, if he hadn't showed mercy to this woman right here, and mercy to the other Gentiles that we read about in Scripture, we talked about that Thursday night too, about how Peter didn't want to go preach to the Gentiles. Peter was a proud Jew. He was much like Jonah was in the Old Testament. Jonah didn't want to go uh, preach to them Ninevites, and Peter didn't want to go preach to the Gentiles. But the gospel was for everyone. It had to go to the Jew first. And Jesus makes that plain in this very passage here. It had to go to the Jews first. He said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You read when Jesus sends the disciples out. He don't send them to the pagans. He sends them to the, to the villages that are crammed full of Jews. He sends them to the towns that are crammed full of Jews. They had to receive it first. But because he came unto his own and his own received him not, that opened the door wide for you and I to receive salvation. Salvation. So praise God, the Jews rejected him. Because we'd be sitting here without hope if that were right. the case. We would be sitting here without hope. Folks, know your need. Use discernment. Use discernment with your needs. Yeah. If, if you have lost love, as I've already said, this woman here was not afraid to own her need. The need was she needed mercy from Jesus. The cause was her daughter was vexed with a devil. If you got children, you got grandchildren that are acting like hellions, you know why? Because they are hellions. That's why. Plain and simple. And the Bible will back that up in more than one spot. In more than one spot. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know why people don't walk in the Spirit? Because they don't live in the Spirit. They don't have the Spirit of God. We cannot have the Spirit of God unless we are already godly. God saves us. We get His Spirit right then and there. And the Spirit of God does, does not let people walk contrary to the things of God, to the Word of God, and to the ways of God. Yep. So if our kinfolk, I don't care how much you love them, 
I don't care how dear they are to you. If our kinfolk are walking contrary to the ways of God, it's because they are contrary to the ways of God. Yeah. And they need Jesus. 